We're here for another episode of Clean Tech Talk, speaking again with Alf Poor, CEO of Ideonomics. We've had a handful of fascinating discussions in the past about uh, electric vehicles and mining, 5G, EV charging, and today we're focusing on the topic of electric tractors and potentially um, potentially adjacent technologies. And we're joined by a couple of others. Uh, Alf, can you introduce our co co-panelists here. Yes, certainly. And I'm very happy to be back with you as always. I've um, got a couple of people joining me today, two of my colleagues. Um, we have Steve Heckeroff, the founder and CEO of SelectTrack. It's a California-based uh, EV tractor company that we've recently made an investment into. And also uh, Keith Byers, who is the SVP of our operations. Uh, he's responsible for vehicle homologation, uh, supply chain, and many other aspects of, uh, of the operational side of our EV business. Thank you all for joining. Uh, welcome. Um, well, to, to start off, yeah, I think we could start with that investment. So you've recently uh, bought 15, a 15% stake in SelectTrack. Um, could you sort of give us, a, give us an overview of why you thought electric tractors are interesting right now, why, why you thought it's a good investment right now, um, where the overall market is, and, and also, you know, um, Worse, why Selectric, uh, not um, non-Selectric or whoever else is on the <laughs> would have yeah. been an option. <laughs> sure thing. So um, the specialty vehicle market is is something that's very interesting to us, and uh, and a bullseye hit for EV right now is anything that doesn't require long haul. As you can see with the development of hydrogen fuel cells and some of the companies that are coming into that space. Um, and indeed, we, we have some technologists joined us with those type of skill sets as well recently. But um, anything that, that can be done on a short haul basis is a perfect fit for battery EV. Um, the tractor market is multi-billion dollars in North America every year. It's huge globally. Um, and I think although the headlines get taken by uh, Tesla, Neo, the consumer vehicles, and then after them, some of the trucks and SUVs that are starting to come to market, um, the specialty vehicle segment doesn't need the infrastructure that the highway-based vehicles need. And so it's something that can be deployed now. And, you know, when we were looking at uh, different companies in the space, um, you know, Steve's company was certainly uh, on the right track. It already had models uh, that it's selling. It's got an active order book. It's made some sales. And it was really looking for that growth capital. And those are the types of investments that are, that are interesting to us, the one where expertise come in, patents come in, and, and, and somebody who's already proven that their product is a fit for the market. So that's why SelectTrack was, was an excellent investment for us. And, uh, you know, the clean tech market, you know, I'm, so, I, I'm sort of a, a veteran here now. You know, I've been running clean tech news site, Clean Technica, for a decade, uh, which is hard to believe. But, you know, sort of, sort of a, you know, an older site, older um, coverage in this space. Uh, we cover a lot of things that are new to a lot of people that we covered four or five, seven, eight years ago. Uh, but I think you informed me that Steve may have been involved in this market when I was in diapers. I'm not sure exactly uh, <laughs> how far back, but long before I was, uh, I mean, before I would assume 99% plus of people were in, in this market. So maybe Steve, you could give us a little bit of background on how you ended up doing Select Track. Um, and then, you know, go wherever you want from there. You, you, you have seniority yeah. here. <laughs> Uh, I, I can do the long version or the short version or somewhere in between, but uh, I was uh, 
brought up in uh, Los Angeles, um, just south of Los Angeles in the 50s. And it, at that time, it was the most polluted place in the world. You couldn't even see across the street. I ran track and cross country along a freeway, ruined my lungs. And when I got to college studying architecture, I was at the first Earth Day in 1970. Um, I dedicated my life to finding alternatives to burning fossil fuel. So I've been working on renewable energy for 50 years. Um, and I started as an architect doing uh, passive solar homes and then figured out how to build pretty much zero energy homes as soon as there was photovoltaics available and thought, well, I've done that. Um, that's done. What's the next thing? And transportation was the next thing that I saw that was the, really the biggest source of pollution where I was living because I'd been breathing in all that exhaust all those years. And so I started working on electric vehicles. I built electric Porsche Spiders using uh, replica kits back in 90, in the early 90s. In 1992, I built uh, four of the replica Porsche Spiders. They were zero to 60 in eight seconds, had a 100, 120 mile, they went 120 miles an hour and they had a hundred mile range. So uh, they were way ahead of their time in terms of what you could do with lead acid batteries. Basically it's the lightest car I could find and then I put uh, half a ton of lead in it. Um, yeah, and yeah. not to derail you, but um, we should have a podcast about that sometime. <laughs> the building, <laughs> building electric Porsches in 1992, I think that would be pretty fascinating to, to dive into and have you talk yeah. about the evolution. So right away, I, I realized that the battery weight was the biggest problem with electric vehicles, especially with lead acid. And I, I saw at the county fair um, this big cement block in the back of a tractor to balance the weight of the forklift on the front. And a light bulb came on and said, well, tractors are the best electric vehicles there could be because the battery weight is an asset. And so I switched my entire focus back in 92 and 93 to electric tractors. And I've been building them ever since. And it's not only the weight that's a big plus for, uh, for tractors, but it's the instant torque, which um, all the way through the low operating speed of tractors, you have maximum torque. And with diesel engines, you only get up to maximum torque at about 2,000 RPM. So uh, in a pull contest with a diesel tractor, I can pull one with twice the horsepower right off the line. So it, it's pretty amazing um, the advantages of electric in low speed, high weight applications. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually afraid to, to see what um, some of these YouTube YouTubers would do with the with, a, with, a, with this technology, who knows what ideas they would come up with. Uh, no, this is really quite fascinating. Um, so I guess I, I wanted, I'm curious to sort of get your, get someone's opinion here on the market, where it is today, where it's headed. But before that, maybe, um, yeah, could you just speak uh, for a few minutes about the technolo technological evolution you've gone through since then? So um, how you've, what 
how, how your choice of battery has shifted and, and other matters? Yeah. Uh, lead acid, of course, had its limitations because uh, there was actually too much weight and it was hard to place it. So one of my first um, patents was uh, on exchangeable battery packs because tractors have three-point hitches. Um, you're used to being able to exchange implements. So I made a battery pack that could exchange just like an implement. So then that eliminated the, uh, the range issue or the runtime issue because you could just exchange a battery pack and uh, keep going. So I put front hitch and rear hitch. When you had a heavy implement in the back, you put exchangeable battery pack on the front to replace the uh, weights that they usually put on the front bumper of tractors. It was really interesting in the beginning, um, I, I was using uh, golf cart batteries that weighed 80 pounds and cost about $80 a piece. And I went to the tractor shop and there they had weights that weighed 80 pounds and they were about $80, $80 a piece. So uh, I just replaced the weights that they would usually put on the front bumper with um, a battery pack and, uh, and had uh, all the runtime I needed. But uh, as lithium came on, we, we found that we could go to higher horsepower because we had more energy on board. You know, uh, a gallon of gasoline has about 30 kilowatt hours of energy in it. And uh, we have a 30 kilowatt hour battery pack on our utility tractor. So we had to be, in order to get five hours of runtime, we have to be five times as efficient, which is pretty easy to do with electric uh, because the electric motor is about 95% efficient and the diesel engine is only about 30% efficient if you don't include idling time, which, uh, which diesel tractors idle all day long and, and they're not doing any work. So, uh, so that takes away a lot of their efficiency. So then what are, you know, what are the, I'm oh, sorry, you can keep, keep going, but I'm just curious there what the fuel savings are since you mentioned that. The fuel savings um, are about um, also five to, five to seven times um, greater depending on when you charge or what you charge with. If you uh, charge directly off a solar array, um, the solar now is the cheapest source of energy on the planet. Um, it's, it's been dropping, um, from when I first got put in solar in the, in the late nineties, it was, uh, over $10 a watt. And now it's, uh, down to about a dollar a watt. So, uh, so the, the, um, this, if you use solar, it's really inexpensive to put in a solar array and, uh, and they last 25 years. So you have that energy for 25 years and or, or more 25 plus. Yeah. 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 This is one of, one of the articles we, we've been covering this for years. Uh, I think it was in 2015 or something that I wrote an article. Um, most people have a, if you have a price of solar in your head, most people have a price of solar that's two to 100 times too high because uh, the price was just, you know, comes down every year so much that you know, if you have a price of solar in your head from three years ago, for example, it's maybe, you know, it's far higher than what it actually is in reality. 
and recently, you know, I've updated this and um, solar panels today, they were 12 times more expensive in 2010 than today. And they were 459 times more expensive in 1977 than today, uh, which is, you know, it's sort of, it's beyond what we can comprehend. But the point is just even the t- past 10 years, you know, there was 12 times difference in, in price and cost. Um, so it's, it is pretty amazing. And the, you know, we just recently covered that the International Energy Agency has declared that solar is the cheapest electricity in history. Um, at, at, you know, it's getting down to two cents a kilowatt hour. It's, it, we're getting finally to too cheap to meter, right? Almost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really exciting uh, for me. I worked for a guy named Stan Oshinsky for seven years. Uh, he, uh, he's had 400 patents, and one of them was the thin film amorphous solar cell. And I was the director of building integrated photovoltaics where we would apply the, the thin film directly to the roofing so that it was, uh, it, it served two functions. It served as the roofing and as, as the, uh, the energy source for the building. So uh, it's pretty exciting. Um, that company unfortunately got um, hostile takeover by Chevron. So, uh, Oh, yeah. Okay. I know that story, but I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. So my I have a big background in solar as well. And the combination is of electric tractors as a mobile power source and uh, solar installations on site um, gives you the ability to eliminate all other infrastructure. So you can plop down a solar array and a, a electric tractor and be farming in one day and for the next 25 or 50 years <laughs> you know without any other infrastructure it's it's just uh like a miracle yeah i get you know when we think about electric cars and stuff we're f- quite familiar with you know now what what that entails the, the electric car ecosystem what what with tractors you know i guess people outside of industry don't know what that infrastructure is but that you're referring to, you know, what, what is, uh, you know, so what you, you put a solar array and an electric tractor and it's clear that's going to get the job done, but then what does that eliminate? What does that save uh, a farmer? It, it eliminates all the fossil fuel infrastructure and all the maintenance on diesel engines with, with three or 400 moving parts. An electric motor only has one moving part. It's basically uh, 80,000 um, hour or motor it's um it's it'll operate for decades without maintenance so uh so the the uh and are you and are you able to are you able to say what um what batteries you're using today what to the brand and the or you, or you would just keep that we're using lithium iron phosphate and we're using whatever we can find that's has the highest quality and the lowest price um, and that's where I, I hope to work with Keith to uh, to have some eyes on the ground in China where most of the lithium iron phosphate is is manufactured yeah a little bit of context for people this has been heavily used in electric buses um, and China has like an enormous number of electric buses um, far more than it's like something like 96% of the world's electric buses are in China and uh, I'm not sure if that figure is correct, but my vague recollection is something crazy like that. And um, 
uh, many or or all many of these um, LFP battery companies are in China, much production there. And as we've people who follow Tesla closely know, Tesla's just started using this type of battery. Of course, there's a lot of variations of LFP batteries, but they've started using this type of battery in their standard range plus Model Three that is being shipped in. Um, in China and also 7,000 just uh, just headed to Europe. So Europeans will also be getting China-made ones. So this battery technology has, like like lithium, like other lithium-ion battery chemistries has been evolving pretty dramatically for the past several years and keeps getting better and better energy density, better and better costs, but it's particularly well-suited for these kind of heavy-duty applications, um, not sports car applications, but this type of work, right? The safety aspect is what I really like about it is that it's not nearly as likely to have any safety issues. You can stick a nail through it and it won't catch fire like some other chemistries. I'd like to to cover the market a little bit if Alf would, um, he just um, put out a, a paper that uh, where he researched how many farms exist in the world and how many tractors exist in the world. And I, I think that was really interesting to me. Yeah, I'd certainly like to, unless Keith, you want to, you want to pick up on this point uh, as well. I mean, if you want to talk a little bit about the market size, I can talk about some of those, uh, some of those dynamics that went out in our monthly newsletter. With us, Keith. I think you're muted. Are you muted? Yeah, we we can we can't hear Keith for some reason. Uh, I can I can pick up. Okay. All right. Yeah, I don't know. You can check while while yes. Alf is talking. You can check the arrow next to the microphone mute mute button and make sure you have the right input there. There's a little arrow you can click on. Yeah. So to, just to talk a little bit about the, the market size. Um, currently, our friends at Research and Markets tell us that the the global tractor market is valued at around 75 billion. Um, obviously, we're a growing global population, um, so it's very much a growth sector. And they expect the North American tractor market to reach 20 billion by 2023, which is just around three years' time. So uh, the reason for that is um, uh, not many people know, but about a billion people in the, in the world work in the agricultural sector. Um, there's in excess of, if you include people who you know, do market gardening for their own food produce needs. There's about 570 million farms globally. But about 90% of that is, like I said, market gardening for personal family needs. So about only about 10% of it is, um, is for commercial, commercial farming. Uh, but that's still in excess of 50 million farms, which is a massive market. And, and one of the reasons that, um, you know, in talking to Steve and, and looking at the select track investment was important to us is, um, you're always looking for a sound bite that captures your imagination. And when I was talking to, to Steve, um, you know, about the opportunity, it became clear to me that there was a couple of things that, that were really interesting. Um, the first one was diesel engines and noise pollution. Um, you know, we've spoken to UPS people who are electrifying, you know, some of their, uh, their things. You speak to the drivers and they say, you know, for the first time ever, they've been able to hear the, the vehicle breathe. Because when you work for UPS as a delivery guy, you don't get a door. So all you get is a diesel engine noise running all day. 
So it's a lot of decibels for them and it does damage to their hearing over time. Same for people in, in heavy machinery such as tractors. Uh, one of the other really interesting kind of anecdotal pieces Steve gave us was um, uh, some of his early sales have been made to vineyards. Uh, he's up there in, in you know beautiful part of the world in Northern California where a lot of vineyards are. So uh, he's made some sales on his doorstep to some of those, those, um, those winemaking uh, folks. And he spoke about the fact that the diesel tractor, and he mentioned it a few minutes ago in his piece, uh, idles all day. And when you're working in a vineyard environment, it's not only the noise for the driver and the people who are actually, you know, picking the grapes, um, but this, this truck only moves about 10, 15 feet at a time. Okay, so it'll stop, the people will pick the grapes for that particular row, and then the rows around the tractors start to fill up with the diesel exhaust. And because they're kind of avenues or channels, so to speak, of where the vineyards are channeling it, it doesn't dissipate quickly. So, so you've got noise pollution, right, for the workers and the tractor driver. You've got the immediate exhaust emissions, not to, not to talk about, you know, the, the particle matter that gets thrown out by diesel engines as well. So to me, I was thinking, you know, when you think about a rural environment, you think about blue skies and fresh air. Using diesel for your tractor and your heavy equipment farming needs is the exact opposite of what you really want to see in those, you know, pristine rural areas where we grow our food crops. So I think that's a really interesting dynamic. Yeah, that uh, the comment about idling jumped out to me as well. I was uh, take, sort of surprised by that and and curious, and, and I just immediately thought as well, it must save an enormous amount of money uh, because you know anyone with an electric car knows you know when it's not moving, it's it's not really using much energy, uh, or well maybe no energy if you're not driving like a Tesla that's too too heavily connected. Uh, but but uh, you know an idling diesel tractor must use an enormous amount of fuel. Um. Yeah, if I could elaborate a little bit on that and in, in going out to the uh, vineyards during harvest, it was the first time when we took the electric tractor out there, it was the first time the workers could talk to each other because the diesel engine was so loud they couldn't even hear themselves talk. Wow. So all day long they were working in, with this exhaust, which makes me sick and the noise which um was damaging their hearing and the yeah geez. i mean if you think about the health i'm sorry but it, it just if you think about the health benefit for these workers i don't know how they get health insurance or whatnot but no matter how how they get health dealt with you know the health health problems puts a cost on somebody whether them insurance provider employer whoever and you think about yeah how much better their health must be from using electric tractors that's an enormous cost savings that I'm sure is never even included in the calculations. Yeah, and then then when you also consider that the electric uh, motor is not on while they're picking, um, you're, you're picking for like 10 minutes and filling the bins and then you move forward for 10 seconds and that 10 seconds is the only time you're using energy. So your your battery pack can literally last for a week in those circumstances. So there's a lot of applications where, uh, where electric just shines so brightly in, uh, in the agricultural industry. Um, I wanted to also follow up on, I'll talk about how many farms there are in the world and how few tractors. There's only about 
25 million tractors in the world. But as she said, there's uh, over half a billion um, farms. And the only reason that, that these, uh, these people do not have access to tractors is because there's no fossil um, infrastructure for them. But of course, solar is available everywhere. And now that it's the cheapest source of energy, um, you can put up a solar array and, and get to every place in the world where the sun shines, which um, is most places where you grow crops. So, uh, so we've got, we've got a, a technology that can actually service these, these uh, billion farms. And, and gardens, you know, you, you say, there's a saying, you take a good gardener and give him a tractor or her, and instead of being able to just feed their family, barely scrape by, they can feed their whole community. Because with a tractor, you can become 20 to 50 times more efficient at growing food. So there's sort of like a mind-blowing productivity potential there that... Um... I mean, the implications are are, are humongous. Uh, that's pretty wild to think about. I, you know, it's kind of, for someone outside the market. You know, never cross this this topic. This fact never crossed my my desk. So it's pretty fascinating to hear. So then, what are your thoughts on how to get to more markets? Well, either get to you know replacing diesel tractors in certain markets or or entering other markets. Yeah, the, the thing I always get is, well, when can you build a 400 horsepower tractor? I, I always say, I don't want to build a 400 horsepower tractor. A 400 horsepower tractor is the problem because you need too much land to, uh, to work. And because you, you've gobbled up all the family farms and, and now you have these huge um, mega agricultural operations where you're growing monocrops and using pesticides and herbicides and chemical fertilizers that not only lower the quality of whatever you're growing but also uh, get into the environment and create these big plumes out in the the ocean and and um, and make uh, make the environment the soil itself actually dead compared to the old methods where, where uh, there was microbes in the soil and they interacted with the plants and they, they helped sequester carbon. And, and now we, we're not sequestering carbon in our agricultural operations. We're actually releasing carbon because we're, we're like mining the soil for all its, all its nutrients. Whereas if you have a, a closed system with uh, a smaller on a smaller scale and you're you're growing food for your local community you don't have these long supply chains like the uh, the california salad going to new york or the avocados going from mexico going everywhere it's, it's, uh, you can grow avocados in California. You can grow almost anything in California. So uh, where we are, um, we can supply all our own needs. We don't have to, uh, we don't have to have mega farms 
that um, grow corn and soybeans in the Midwest, where it used to be prairie, where the, the bison roamed and just ate the grass is what they're supposed to do. But you grow this corn and soybeans, then you ship it to a feedlot. And the feedlots are creating these huge methane and, and, um, and a whole lot of other problems. Um, uh, the, the, the situation in the feedlots, they have to feed them with antibiotics to keep them alive. And, and it's not a, not a healthy uh, product that they're making. So um, there's this, this um, documentary I'd really recommend called uh, Kiss the Ground. Um, and it's about taking the, uh, getting the prairie back for uh, growing our, uh, our, our meat um, by grazing. Uh, grass is what, what, um, what grazing animals are supposed to do. They're not supposed to be fed soybeans and corn. They're supposed to graze grass. That's what they're designed to do. And we've, we've uh, made the system so, so corrupt because um, there's subsidies for doing certain things and, it, and it's uh, yeah the, su not, the subsidies in, in the the subsidies yeah. in u.s agriculture are pretty wild um the well that getting back to that market topic what do you guys have a kind of a plan target for and I, I don't know who's best to answer this one but for um for scaling up and for entering new markets or different markets what what's the kind of growth and development plan here for this um to, well know, we to... we first wanted to get into the organic farming community and i designed a tractor specifically for that based on a the alice chalmers g that was probably the best tractor ever made back in the fifth in the 40s and 50s it was uh, one that you could see what you're doing in front of you and uh, so I designed that tractor to have um, full view in front of you. And it also had a rear hitch and a PTO for modern implements. And it also had a front hitch. A front hitch is important because when you're mowing or reaping, you don't want to run over your crop before you mow it because it just lays it down and then it pops back up after you've mowed it. So, uh, um, mower out front makes a whole lot of sense. So with the three hitches, you also have the ability to put an exchangeable battery pack on any one of the hitches and do two operations at once, or you can do three operations at once on a small farm, or you can be uh, doing something out like uh, laying compost out front and preparing the bed and then in the middle and then seeding on the back, for instance, and or doing transplanting on the back. And that's another big advantage of electric is you can go so slow you can hardly see the wheels move. So um, transplanting and, uh, and harvesting and a lot of operations that you do, you need to go really slow. And uh, electric tractors can do that where diesels can't. Yeah, that's a fascinating point. You know, when you say it, it's obvious, but without saying it, you know, I wouldn't have thought about it. But you know, that is one of the things I love about driving electric is you can just you can really go slow and and you know sneak you can sneak up on a on a rabbit. You know, it's like uh, it's, you can do do such a different kind of slow driving. Um, so that's pretty pretty interesting. Um, 
So in terms of the market, though, we found that um, actually farmers don't have very much money, and they were, um, which is which is seems totally backwards. I mean, food is one of the three most important things: air, water, and food are, are what we need to survive. So um, I don't know, gold isn't worth anything when you're hungry <laughs> it's well well to be fair we pay we pay air producers zero dollars so you know far, yeah. farmers look pretty good compared to the air producers no yeah. <laughs> no it's a great point uh, i mean it's a big societal issue well so, i oh sorry go ahead so we had to look at other markets and the vineyards and the horse arenas were um where the money, there's a lot of money, they were putting in solar arrays. And uh, so we started focusing on the vineyard tractor and the horse arenas, um, the, and because they're the ones that could afford it. So, uh, well, I mean, you know, covering were, solar for a decade, covering solar for a decade, I feel like there must be some options there with creative financing, uh, leasing or, or PPA uh, programs or some other, some, I feel like that's something Ideanomics would, would come in with as well. You know, you're always connecting dots. Um, well, two things. One, I I really, uh, I look forward to the day when I can visit uh, your Selectrek Gigafactory or Megafactory or whatever. So look, looking forward to seeing sort of mass scale production of these tractors. I think this is a really exciting topic. Even, uh, I think this is always the case with the Ideanomics guys. You know, I come into it thinking, yeah, that's an interesting topic. And then by the end of the podcast, I'm like, that is like 10 times more interesting than I thought. So it's really uh, great to talk to an expert like that. Um, so the other thing, um, I'm just, you know, for the Ideanomics guys here, I'm, uh, I've been curious about this before, but, you know, we've covered so many different technologies and topics that you guys are getting into now. I'm interested in how you how you go about sort of finding and integrating these various technologies and companies into your business, because you do a really, I think, good and uh, sort of fascinating job of, of going into markets that are not getting a lot of attention, doing deep research, connecting dots, and sort of finding these opportunities. And I've, uh, I've been interested in this before, but, you know, talking today about Selectrack, I'm, yeah, what's your what's your process? How do you approach that? What's what's going on there? Like, what what's your deal? <laughs> sure thing. Well, let me let me pick up this one out because my audio is now back on, guys. You are on indeed. Wonderful. Apologies for that earlier technical difficulties. So, what I would say is, first and foremost, what what we're looking to do is find people that we're that we believe in and that we're going to have a really good time working with to deliver value to our shareholders. I was privileged enough to have some of the early conversations uh, with Steve and was immediately enthused and impressed, obviously, by his experience and his ability to talk to many of the environmental aspects that are important to so many people out there in the marketplace. Um, and, and to your point, agree that the, the complementary element that Ideonomics brings to the table here is, as you, as you say, connecting the dots. So I, I think the key to unlocking some growth with select track working with Ideonomics is going to come from a range of places, uh, particularly the, the educational element that Steve brings to the table is going to be huge in helping reduce the anxiety associated with converting to EV. Uh, and, and we hope to amplify that message with, with our own marketing chops in this space. Uh, in addition to that, 
we see key opportunities in general in the, in the OEM marketplace within the US and other markets uh, to streamline uh, working with supply chains based in Asia and other places. Now we obviously have uh, a strong team over there. Our operations in China uh, are, are extremely active with, with many rich sales dialogues uh, and partnership building and development. And we're looking to tap into that uh, atmosphere and ecosystem over there for the benefit of our partners uh, at large. So in, in the case of SelectTrack, we're really excited to support that supply chain piece and ideally uh, look to source some uh, stronger, larger range batteries for Steve at a more favorable price point. And, and a really important follow-up element to that is exactly how we go about providing that value to the consumer, right? So you, you mentioned earlier uh, the, the concept of having a leasing arrangement. Now, Ideonomics has a very strong financial muscle. You know, there's a lot of experience in the team when it comes to being able to tap into financial marketplaces and think about how the consumer is going to respond to different financial propositions. And, and bringing that to the table for SelectTrack is something that we're going to be very actively pursuing with the idea that the, the entry price point for a SelectTrack customer can be lower, right? That is how we see growth really taking off. And Steve's mission to take diesel tractors out of commission is, is going to be furthered by reducing the cost thereof, right? Steve has already done some fantastic analytics on demonstrating how that can be possible and that the total cost of ownership can be reduced. And it will be our, our mission working together to, to bring that cost down to make sure that the volume goes up. And that is what we're, we're very excited to move forward with, uh, with doing, working closely with that team. Yeah, I think to add to that, I mean, uh, you know, Steve touched on it. He's gone to some of the more cash-rich agricultural activities, such as um, you know vineyards and, uh, and equestrian centres, um, uh, because they're able to, to they have a they have a, a product in the upper end of the market. They're able to charge for. Our goal here is to help Steve get cost-efficient tractors to everybody that should be using one in any farm globally, and, and we want to use Keith and his team's expertise uh, and our connections to the global supply chain because whether it's the electric motors or it's the batteries, China is the heart of, of, of beating heart of EV. And that's what we want to do for SelectTrack. So it doesn't matter if it's in Northern California, it doesn't matter if it's in Northern Africa. We want to be able to provide them with the ability to power it from solar without the need for the fossil fuel infrastructure and have an affordable tractor that can produce uh, the produce they need on local level. Yeah, I mean, it's... Sounds like uh, it sounds like a game like sort of match made in heaven kind of uh, situation. And um, we had a report a report we covered last night from Rethink X that uh, highlights you know the, the solar and, and wind and batteries becoming so cost competitive, so cheap. Um, doesn't just like lower the price of goods, it sort of transforms energy markets. And I think this is a an, a case where you There's guys issues with this... your audio. Oh, sorry. Well, we can't hear you. You're, ble you're bleeding over back with some interference. Well, I'd have to turn your video off again. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, let me. Uh, yeah, I've got a, a, rainbow, a spinning rainbow wheel right now that's um, not letting me do that yet. So, 
Hold on a second. Yeah, Try turning your video off if you can. Yeah, for sure. Uh, can you hear me right now or no? Sorry, it's not great. No, your video's still on. You're breaking up. Yeah, I've got a spinning rainbow wheel that needs to finish before I can cut the video, unfortunately. Uh, I have too many things going on right here. The, the beauty of editing. When it does come, yeah, 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 I've got way too much going on here. Sorry. Well, um, I'm not sure if it's, we might have to, might have to cut this uh, off and I'll just add a closing line at the end. But um, for now, I can't get the thing to, to stop, so I gotta wait. In the meantime, is that? Is your shirt, is that to kill the electric car or does that uh, go a different, go down a different road? I can't hear what you're saying. Can't, can't hear what you're saying. All right, sorry. Um, can, you, can you guys try cutting video in the meantime as well? Hmm. Yes. Touch a video, guys, see if it's zoom. Can you cut video as well, Steve? So we're just on audio. Harsh, yeah. Okay, try speaking now. Can you hear me right now? Yeah, that's much better. Okay, yeah, I finally got it to cut the video. Uh, so just wrapping up, I was, I was just going to say, so um, we we published a, we covered a report last night from Rethink X that was focusing on the the extremely low cost of solar wind and batteries um, today and more so going forward doesn't just lower the cost of certain technologies certain you know certain things that we have today it, sort of, it transforms the energy markets it sort of changes what's going to be possible and what the future holds so i think this is one of those fascinating sort of cases of it's not just going to be lower cost cleaner tractors but you're going to be able to get tractors to a lot more people potentially through your financing capabilities and your supply chains and whatnot you're going to be able to sort of transform farming agriculture and some to some degree um around the world so i think is a really a uh, superb example of that you know jumping right onto that that report and that that, that idea um so again you know just really thank you idenomics for sort of connecting the dots and I guess having the team in place that's looking for these kind of opportunities and both, you know, taking advantage of them, but also just enabling a different future, a better future, a cleaner future. So um, really fascinating topic. And thank you guys for, for what each of you are doing in, the, in that, in that way. Um, any final, final comments to close out the, the podcast? Yeah. I just like to say that, um, we're not so interested in, in making bigger tractors as we are interested in making tractors that work to help uh, people with food security all over the world. That's great. Uh, well, thank you guys. Uh, we will follow up once um, 
I guess follow up with Jessica, but uh, if any of you have any questions or, or extra comments to include um, or stats or anything, please send along. Um, I'm going to have, we have our, a podcast producer who will also write about this as she produces the podcast. Um, so anything I could forward to her that you're eager to, to have um, noted would be probably useful. Great. Yeah, Jessica has some good material. She'll, um, she'll send them over to you. Cool. All right. Thanks a bunch. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day. I'm going to go pick up my daughter uh, with a bunch of gas cars idling around her elementary school, unfortunately. <laughs> but at least mine won't be. <laughs> at least yours won't be. That's it. For now. For now. Yep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll, yeah. we'll get to schools next. We're doing fine. <laughs> yeah, please. Yeah. I hope our next topic is how to cut the emissions around schools. All right. Thanks Great. a lot. Cheers. Thank you. Thanks, Cheers. Guys. Thanks.